Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And if you haven't heard already, I'll be speaking at the Afterlife Research and Education Symposium, September 15th through 17th in Scottsdale, Arizona. You will, if you choose to join us, be uh, alongside 27 people who are in the cutting edge information of why life after death is real, how to communicate with your loved ones, and, and the preparation for end of life. So there's not anything like it on the planet. So I invite you to join us. And you can simply go to afterlifestudies.org to find out more and register if you choose to. Today on the show, we are talking to Rusei Sagara. Rousset is a vice president of finance who, following a difficult childhood, developed a big passion for reading and researching books on self-help, spirituality, personal growth, and healing the body and soul. She has gathered everything she has learned in the past 25 years in her newly published book called Living on Earth, and it is her intent to help readers achieve the life of their dreams and live happily and healthily while on planet Earth. Rose Sagara, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Sandra. Where are you from? You have a different accent than I do. Where's Yes, I'm from Spain. I was born and raised in Spain. Okay. Now, if you could, because it's beautiful, say your name, how it's meant it, to be pronounced. It is Rose. And your last name? Segarra. It is Rosé Segarra. Actually, my name, I was born in the north of Spain, mm-hmm. but my name is from Catalonia. My parents and my siblings are from Barcelona. Very nice. Well, you you have a beautiful voice and you're a beautiful thank person you. as well. So thank I you. thank you for being here today. So where do we start our story with you? You want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up bec- getting on this path? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so, as I mentioned, I was born in Spain, and uh, throughout my childhood, I was bullied for a number of years, quite a lot, a lot of them. Oh. So, when I was about 15, 16 years old, I was just trying to find some confidence, and I was just trying to find friends, and I was really trying to find out why all these things happened, and why I was struggling so much, and I turned to books. I just thought, well, I don't know what else to do, but... I really was trying to soothe myself, so I started reading, and it was just a passion that I just couldn't stop reading. I just, I would read a book, and it would make me feel good, and then I would read more, and it would make me feel better, and then I understood that uh, we're actually souls, that there is not just a body, it's just so, so much more than we are ever aware, and that's how my path started towards, in the end, writing Living on Earth. Wow. And then for your job, though, you've been working in finance. So what happened was um, I didn't really know what to do with my life. I knew that uh, I wanted to read. I knew that I wanted to heal myself emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really didn't have a passion as saying I want to become a doctor or I want to be a photographer. I just didn't have any of those. So I decided to do a degree in business administration, which had math and statistics and history. You know, it was a bit of everything. And I thought, well, like, I can do this. Um, and what happened was that my first role uh, was an accounts assistant job. And that led to many other things and to my career in finance. Oh, very good. 
Um, let me just ask you, with all this discovering um, that you are a soul and all this reading, did it help to put in perspective the pain you felt in childhood being bullied or give understanding oh, to that? Absolutely, completely changed everything because what I learned, it wasn't only that we are souls and we come over and over through the process of reincarnation. What I learned is that we put ourselves through some situations and experiences in order to learn and grow in consciousness so we can become the person that we are going to be later on in life. And what I learned was that we do some planning sessions on a soul level before we come here. And we choose our families, we choose our friends, we choose our intent, what we intend to do with the physical bodies, with the intelligence that we have, with the difficulties that we face in order to achieve what we want to achieve in this lifetime. And why would you choose being bullied if you Yeah, did? that's, 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 that's a great question. How so, are, I mean, and... You may not have the answer, but I, I'm always hoping that out of any struggle that any of us have, we find a way to empower ourselves because of it, Absolutely. if that makes sense. Um, I, I think the main reason for that is because he gave me so much determination at some point to know everything about life after death. I wanted to find out what was it? What, there was more to my body than just myself. So it gave me a, a drive to become a better person, to help other people, to write this book that I'm writing just now. I really believe that it made me much more compassionate towards other people. You know, I, I would be, meet people now that either they've been bullied or times at my work where people were not being nice and I would always be defending and being the one that champions the you know, the more junior person, because I always felt that um, we needed to be, you know, um, defended somehow. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it really, really has helped me become a much better person because of it. Wow. I understand that the bullies had their place in my life because I would have never been so interested in self-help and spirituality and what lies be beyond death, really. Um and hopefully to help, now to help other people. I think if I had a very easy, PC childhood, I would have never written this book. And I don't think I would have ever been able to help other people like I'm doing now. It's so true. And even with myself, uh, and maybe a bully would be a good example, but finding there's some people with very strong personalities and why people do what they do. And for me personally, it got me studying the human dynamics and finding mm -hmm. out that people become who they are because of their past uh, and and to realize that you know some of the people that become bullies were bullied you know and that was the yes. only way they can deal with it so it gave me compassion as to what some of the things that we've learned in our younger years and that we believe is the truth and and but we can change that we can ultimately I, right I totally agree with you and what I learned as well is not only they were bullied when I look back I, I tried to look at my childhood and the families of the bullies and I realized they were not growing up in an ideal family neither I didn't right. see these when I was 10 obviously I could only see that nobody wanted to be with me that the girls were being very mean that I had no friends that's all I could see because I was very small but when I look back, I can see that really they didn't have the easiest life neither. And it was just the way, their way to cope with their life. I, I don't know. 
I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but definitely it was something that I put myself through so I could actually become a much better person now. Mm-hmm. So the next question I have for you is our show's titled, We Don't Die. I would guess that you <laughs> do believe in life after death. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, uh, some people ask me, how can you have such a blind faith? And it's just, I'm just not able not to have it because I learned through all these years how much assistance we get from our higher selves and from our guides and angels and from our deceased family members who are also helping and also talking to us. They just don't die. They just remain in a spirit form or they might be already incarnated, but we are always joined and connected. It's just the amount of help that I've received over the years from guides, angels, deceased family members is just too great for me to ignore it. It's, 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 it's just there. And it's been 25 years that you've been studying this. This isn't just something you decided last week. This is, you've de- dedicated your life to being on this yes. discovery. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've read hundreds upon hundreds of books, and I recommend a lot of them uh, in my book, just in case people wanted to read further into reincarnation, into event um Asian traditions and, you know, the the, uh, the work of Michael Newton and the work of Robert Schwartz and Brian Weiss and all the authors that have written about this for so long. Um, yeah. Is there one thing, Rousse, that comes to your mind that really has you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that life after death is real? Is it something you learned about reincarnation or, I mean, well, is there anything that you can point yes, to? There are, there are two things. If okay, you don't mind. we'll take two, so, of course. The, the first one is, um, the I once read a book by John Edward called One Last Time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm uh, familiar with it, him, but not the book. Yeah, well, it, it was just, absolutely amazing and then I went to see him a couple of times uh, in his show actually I'm going to see him next week again Uh, I don't know him personally but Mm -hmm. I'm going to see him in his show and it's just when he connects to all these families and deceased family members it just it blows your mind is there is no there can be any doubt that he's talking to all these relatives that crossed over Mm -hmm. It's, it's absolutely no mind at all. But something closer to home for me is I've got a good friend in Scotland who lost her child. And it was just obviously terrible and just very, very upsetting for all of us. And um, she she didn't quite believe in reincarnation. She thought, well, you die and you die. Uh, but she had another child who just constantly reminds her of how much she talks to her sibling who is now Desist and and how is 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 just this the child that crossed over just talks to her sibling and saying oh well I'm doing this or and she keeps reminding her mom that he talks to her in her heart and he could never make that up. So the it's, little child is actually talking about his deceased sibling. That's correct. Like yes. he's communicating and then giving messages to the mother. That's absolutely correct. Wow. And, and you know, it's only because um, I know her and I know how little she believes in all these things 
that she looks at me thinking maybe you're right maybe, maybe there is more to it maybe she's she's just on a, in a place just now that she's not ready to believe it because she's just in a lot of pain and, and maybe she really wants to but she just doesn't know of course but I... the feeling the little boy is just is just saying you know well you know it's just he's so at peace with what happened because she still communicates to, to him the, you know her sister never went anywhere that's great. Oh, yes, it is. It is very touching. And and like that, then I read many books, but it's not the same. You know, you read the book and people say, well, this is something a child made up or this is something that somebody else made up. Well, I know my friend and I know this kid. So anybody can tell me that there is no life after death and that's their experience. But my experience is completely the opposite. Wow. That's great. And um, John Edwards is great. I've taken courses on mediumship i mean it's it's everything gets filtered through the mind of the person so i don't think anybody's perfect but i do know with training and practice uh there's some really fantastic evidence that has come mm-hmm. come through mediums mm-hmm. wow yeah. any, any other stories or should we start talking about your book um i'm trying to think just now how, how about reincarnation oh that well besides um, the story you just told. Have you done studies into reincarnation? Uh, well, what, what I read was um, Ian Stevenson, uh, a former professor of yes. psychiatry. Yes, Dr. Ian he, Stevenson. Yes. yes. The the 20 Cases of Suggestive of Reincarnation, mm-hmm. um, that book and many other books by him. I mean, again, it's back to how can somebody just make all of these cases up, right. you know. He went through and found all these children that were clearly a reincarnation of somebody else in a past life. They would say to him, oh, no, but I was born, I was killed in this village, you know, and this happened to me. And then he would look back and that exactly happened. So, you know, I can believe there might be a coincidence once, twice, but he's done like 3,000 cases. That's right. So, um, so I talk a little bit about this in my book and also um, um, the near-death experiences, which are not quite dying, but very close to it. Uh, there are so many wonderful books about that as well that explain uh, actual doctors, not just anybody, you know, actual doctors that they die and then they come back and they say, I used to be a doctor. I never believed on this, but now I do. Right. There's some so real credible stories from people. Is 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 it's just not possible that everybody's making it up and for what purpose? Because they're going to sell a few books. I really do not believe in that. I believe genuinely people want to tell others their experience so they can learn from it and they can understand that there is way much more to life than just living in this physical body this time. I think usually what happens is the tragedy is some people that remains on earth because they cannot see the cycle of incarnation for that soul in the following time. But if they saw that, they would obviously still miss the person, but they would understand that it's just going to be an next time or a sibling next time. And it would ease so much grief, I think. I think you would always miss the person physically, but you the, the understanding will provide a lot of healing. Definitely. Rousset, you wrote your book called Living on Earth, which mm-hmm. if you're listening to this on YouTube, you can just scroll down to the description and there's a link to the book on Amazon. But could you tell us a little bit why you wrote this book? Um, 
primarily, I, I always felt for a long time that I would write a book. I didn't know what it would be about, but it became quite clear when I developed this passion for reading so much that I was reading so many wonderful books in the hundreds, and I was learning so much from reincarnation to we are vibrational beings to all the laws of the universe and how to be successful and happy and healthy, but I felt that there was not the one book that would be compilating everything and putting it together into something that would help many people. Because I thought, well, this is a brilliant book about reincarnation, but that said, it's it's a book about this. And I would read a, a wonderful book about the loss of the universe, and it would be fantastic, but that was it. And over the years, uh, I became quite successful in my corporate career by uh, practicing all the tools that I learned in all these wonderful books, because apart from reading just the usual spirituality and self-help, I read a lot about personal growth and forgiving and healing ourselves and that kind of thing. So I learned to use the tools to, to become very successful at my work and mainly to gain confidence because I started understanding how the laws of the universe work and I started to understand that we are all exactly the same with the same energy potential. So when we want to be somebody in life, it's because our soul is reminding us that we came to do something. We It's not just that you know, you want to be a radio host, that you want to help people that are grieving. It's not chance that somebody else wants to be a photographer or a healer. We all have within ourselves what we want to accomplish in this lifetime. And also, this continuously reminding us of that. That's why we always say, oh, I always wanted to do this and I always wanted to do that. Yes. That's because our soul is reminding us of what we need to do. So what I learned with all those wonderful books is is to have the confidence and the belief in myself that I could do it. So I wanted to become um, a CFO, a chief financial officer, and I knew that I could do it just because I had that longing inside me. I knew I could become something if I wanted to do it. So I did. This is, Ruse, I think the point of your book, my book, others' books, it's its great to believe in life after death. It's great to believe that we're souls having a human experience. But to actually get the information and apply it to our life and live a better life is what you are out to help people with. Uh, I know myself, I've gone to a lot of courses, read a lot of books, done a lot of workshops, and then I was very entertained while I was there, but I never applied it to my life. And what you're out to do is is really to transform lives through your book. Yes, I would love to do that. And the reason why I added the first part is all about reincarnating. It's all about how we are souls, how we don't die, how we plan our lives. Because there is at the moment a lot um, that is being said about the law of attraction. And yes, there is a lot of truth about the law of attraction, but that's not it. That's not really all there is to life. Right. Is right. you can attract things that's correct, but you also attract things and you also plant a lot of things before you came to earth that have nothing to do with the law of attraction. So every bad thing or every good thing that happens is not entirely because of the law of attraction. It's because of all these other things that also you plant to help you in this lifetime. They don't have to be negative at all. They can be negative. They can, well, 
everything is for experience and for learning. So truly, I don't see it really as negative. There might be at the time, but when you look back, you think, no, this really served its purpose. And that's what I try to do with the book. The first part is about understanding how we are souls and how we are energy and how we come here through the process of reincarnation. But in part two of the book and in part three, I'm trying to give the reader the tools so they can actually, while on earth, so now we understand how we came to the place we are today. Now when we are here, we've got free will and the laws of the universe and all these other wonderful tools like affirmations and visualizations and the power of goal setting and particularly the power of our mind to create what we want. That is what I'm explaining in the book, just compiling everything I learned. Say a little so, bit more about that, the power of your mind. Would you? So, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, well, there are many studies that, that show how athletes, for example, uh, use the power of their mind to succeed. So, for example, they all train, they all work really hard to get to the Olympics, but eventually, and I give an example in my book, um, what it really wins is, is the working with the mind and the visualization of you succeeding, of you being the best you can possibly be. And it has been proven even to heal ourselves, how when we are projecting in our mind healthy cells, how there are some, I'm not entirely certain how it works physically, but how our body is understanding that as, yes, I'm feeling well and I'm doing well and I'm going to heal myself based on the power of my mind, based on the fact that I'm believing myself to be well. And you probably notice sometimes how uh, you look at the mirror and you say, oh, I look awful today. Yes. And it's basically <laughs> your posture changes. Physically, you start yes. like you walk down, yet when you say to yourself, I'm strong, I can do this, I'm confident, you start getting much more straight, you put your back straight, you tell in your mind, all you are doing is just the mind game, all you are telling yourself is not, no, I can do this. You know, there is an affirmation that I like a lot. It's, it's a personal thing. But um, I read it a long, long time ago, and he said, my success is unavoidable. My success thought, is unavoidable. Yes. I'm I, writing that down. I I just love that because yeah. I would go to interviews and I would hold my head high and I would say, I know many people were telling me, you're female, you have an accent, you're from Spain, Ta-da-da, there is a reason why you could never achieve this. And it's just their fears. It's, it's not mine. It's, it's their free, fears projecting into how can you be this? And I was offered this job in Houston as a CFO. Um because I went to the interview saying my success is unavoidable. You know, I was just trying to say to myself, no, if, if another man can do it, I can do it. And it's all a mind thing. Because if I had told myself over and over how useless I am and how poor me I was bullied and how poor me I can, I'm not going to do anything because I'm female and because I've got an accent, then probably they would pick that up and say, hmm, she's not too sure that she knows what she's doing. Yeah. But I sat there in the interview saying, no, I can't do this. And I also learned so much how um, if it didn't happen and they didn't offer me the job, I learned to actually be really satisfied with that answer because we don't know what is next for us. And sometimes we're just being prepared for something even better, better be, I'm sorry, bigger and better. Oh, that's great. So, I would just not go, oh, I didn't get it because sometimes I didn't get the job I was going for and I was saying, I'm successful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
wonderful, you know, and I just didn't get it. But I did not allow that. You had to, to trust. Me down. Well, it's been a learning process. I, by no means I'm perfect or I don't struggle or, you know, I, I'm not confident all the time. Actually, I was mortified of going on the call today with you. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I, I get nervous, too, before I call someone. Yeah. Crazy. I just, yes, I just, you know, I it's by no means I've been telling myself today, no, you can do this. Well, hopefully they will understand. And, you know, I, I just put myself through it. And uh, so I'm not perfect by any means, but I learned that um, just, being grateful for where we are in life and, and for where how things leads us to other things and I didn't get a specific job that I was oh absolutely gutted for like a day and then I reasoned that to myself and I got such a much better opportunity with the company that eventually took me to Houston as, as a CFO so you just never know how it's going to work but you need to have that belief and that mindset yeah to not that you can do it, it's all in the mind. My dad would always say, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think maybe it was Henry Ford or someone who first said that. But I always remember that. And then also, I, I had a little trick that I would do every time I started really convincing myself of how awful I am or that I couldn't do it, is I, I took a piece of paper and I wrote down the successful things I've done in my life. And no. I thought, hey, this lady who's done all these things can certainly pick up the phone and go have this conversation or do whatever that is. That's, that's so wonderful. Yes. Um, I never thought of that, but that's a, a great, great tip, you know, to write down what you have accomplished. Uh, what, what I try to do is when I feel fear, which we always feel fear, yes. and we'll keep feeling fear is just, I acknowledge and I say, I know you are fearful, but you can do it. You can pick up the phone and you can talk to Sandra and mm -hmm. you might not say everything 100% right, but you are human and that's what it is. And then you will learn. And the next time you do another radio interview, you might get better. But if you don't do the first time, then you will never know. So although I'm sweating, I'm getting a bit stressed. <laughs> I'm still here because I think it's really important that we push through that because it's completely rational. There is no reason why... It's just I think we were kind of wired to fear things because most of the times things don't go always in the right direction and we just fear that the next time it's going to happen the same thing. But it doesn't need to be that way, particularly when we work with ourselves to heal ourselves, to understand on ourselves and to believe, <clears throat> excuse me, that we can be... <clears throat> Excuse me, I need a bit of water. No problem. I can tell you something <coughs> quick. I had the fear of talking to uh, a really famous author on this show. And I, I really worked myself up. How can I talk to this guy? How can I talk to this guy? And then when I talked to him on the phone, I thought, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm really nervous to talk to you. And he says, you are? He says, I've spent the morning really nervous to talk to you. <laughs> it was so funny because I'm like, you? Yes. You're famous. He's like, well, I yeah. think you're famous. And I'm thinking, that's so stupid. We are just people. Yes, we are. We, oh. we are. And, and that's the main thing that I really want to tell everybody. This is not, oh, I became this role or that role because I'm this person or, or because I had this much money I didn't or because this or that. No, it was all in the mind and it was all in growing and understanding and reading. And we are all souls with exactly the same energy potential. Nobody's better or worse. We are all made of the same mass. It's just, but obviously it's, it's so normal. You know, you, you talk to somebody and, and they are famous and 
you know, you get nervous, so it's totally understandable, but we are all the same. We really are. Wow. I'm just looking through uh, what you sent me about your book, and I, I, I love it. Part one being, you know, the proof that we are more than just our bodies, that it is about the evolution of souls. Part two, about being on earth, talking about karma, the law of attention, the law of attraction, laws of faith and attachment, uh, role of gratitude, power of goal setting, taking responsibility. I, I am how to not sabotage our manifesting. It's just packed with tools. And, and so I, now I, which is all very exciting because you actually give people a roadmap of how to succeed, things that need to be put in place and practiced. And now what is part three about? So part three is everything I learned about healing the body and soul. And what I mean with that is that I learned there are some wonderful alternative therapies that um, people don't either know them or understand about them because, unfortunately, not everybody has meant very well with this. So there's been some people that just try to get money out of some people. and It's terrible, yes. Yes, but... By experience, so I learned Reiki myself, for example, and I applied it to myself and my family. And I'm talking about what I experienced personally as working for me, as much as also what I know about acupuncture and many other types of alternative therapies that I just want to raise awareness and say, really, they are not bad. They are not bad at all. But what you need to do is you need to use your intuition. Just read what they are about. Call a few people around or a few practitioners around where you live and talk to them and see how you feel. Because at the end of the day, it's about our emotions and how we feel to know whether something is right or wrong for us. And just try to see if something is not working for you conventionally, then you might find that an alternative therapy can help you. Or you might be able to combine it and use both conventional medicine and alternative therapies. Yeah, it is important to trust mm-hmm. yourselves because I, I even reinforce this reinforce this in the show because we say people talk about all kinds of things and I'm sitting here mm-hmm. interviewing and I'm thinking oh my gosh that's that's a little weird you know <laughs> and, and or not you know or there's something that I believe in that I'm certain somebody else doesn't but then I always say take what resonates with you as the truth or something that piques your interest that ah, that sounds good to me, and throw away the rest. I mean, I believe in every conversation we have with every human being that we meet, that there's something good that we can take for our life. So in healing, yeah, I I get it. You know, do some research. If it feels wrong, stay away. Absolutely, and I really think that there are some things, for example, I don't know if energy healing or Reiki, which is a little bit like, oh, but how, how do you do it? It's not tangible. You can't see it. You are going to know, you're going to feel what is something that is going to help you personally or not. And there are many, many paths up the mountain. You just don't have to follow this one or that one because it worked for somebody else. You will know for yourself if this is something is going to work for you or not. Uh, but I think it's good that people understand that they are there and they are not as bad as some people claim them to be as fraud and whatnot. Yeah, right. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean? Uh, you have how to take responsibility for your life. What does that mean? 
So what I mean with that is sometimes we let very little things get to us. So I talk about yes. ways to um, take responsibility. So the first one is to take back our power. And how we do that, where we give our power away to the past or childhood. Uh, and by experience, of course, I know it is difficult to overcome a difficult childhood, but we all have hurts and upsets and betrayals, but we can't let them hold us back. So I talk about taking back our power in the sense of in politics, we believe that somebody is going to save the world, but it won't because at the end of the day, nobody's going to exercise for us. No, nobody's going to eat right for us. Nobody's going to work in our mind to make sure that we gain belief, that we take away our fears. Nobody's going to do all these things for ourselves. You know, it, I know that some political regimens are better than others, but we give our power away to politicians, to dieting companies, yes. to yeah. our past, to a lot of people, and it's just trying to rein back that in and say, you know, within me lies the answers of what I need. Uh, the second way to take back okay. power is to let go of blame. So, you know, my life is ruined because I was brought up in a dysfunctional family. Nobody really ever likes me. I'm too shy. I'm too fat, too tall, too small, too thin, you know. Uh -huh. So when we start letting go of blame for everything, then we take back our power. And lastly, I talk in my book about letting go of drama and how not to give permanent reality to temporary things. So things happen and it's just life and we move on from them. So I'm just speaking about just trying to get things, particularly small things, not to get to us so much. And again, it's a mind thing. You know, how many times have you said, oh, I'm not going to let that get back to me or get to me? We say that all the time because we know that we have the power to not let things get to us. That's true. We but do. it's just sometimes it's reminding us. I mean, I had to do a lot of reminding. I've got lots of wonderful books. And when I see myself very upset, sometimes I just pick up a book and I remind myself that, you know, I don't need to be so upset over it. And I can just try to understand why this situation is in my life, how I attracted it, or why it's in my life, and then how to move away from it. Yeah, Which I think I, we all need books. We all, you know, one of the tools I use is actually recording these conversations because I cannot go a day in a bad mood and then all of a sudden call you and talk about our soul's plan, our journey, uh, being responsible. And I'm always left happier at the end of the conversation and with the perspective. So I think it's important yeah. for people, whether you listen, read books or listen to radio shows or have friends that you can talk about the positive with as opposed to feeding on the victim woe is me so you did mention though about diets and i know one of the things yes. you have in your book is why diets don't work and how you can lose weight and as yes. a girl that's always battled her weight what do you have to say about that well so i'm, I'm explaining how um our bodies why, why diets don't work i'm explaining how we can force our body to diet I'm, I'm explaining how we are not all the same, and I give an example of uh, the, how it was called, hey, the, hey. the semi-starvation neurosis experiment. Rose, I, 
I don't want to interrupt you, but it sounds like you're moving papers around and it's, I'm, I'm not able to hear your words. Clearly. Oh, I'm really sorry. Yes, I was actually going, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking through my book exactly how I outlined. Oh, the- see, here's Wait, a little trick. Now this is your, on the beginning of your radio interviews. Uh, the, the microphone picks up everything. Oh, so yes. No, I'm the, sorry. I was oh, just no, it's okay. Everybody, to, uh, make sure I was not missing anything. Everybody needs to learn. And no, we appreciate that you uh, are, are looking through. But if you don't mind starting that piece over, just what you have to say about diet and exercise and weight loss. Yeah, sure. So what I was saying is that uh, I learned that our bodies are not all the same and we just cannot force our body to die because there is a set point in our bodies that um, we just won't go below that. And there are many studies that show how obese people can just force themselves to diet on minimal calories and they put on weight. And one of the main things are our mindset, again, how um, there was an experiment that was done uh, that they gave to all the participants to different types of shakes. It's called, I don't know if you heard about it, it's called uh, Mind Over Shakes. And basically, they gave a very low calorie shake to a group and a very, very high calorie shake to the other group. Both groups were told that they were consuming an average 300 calorie shake, but one had 600, the other one, say, had 100. And every single person that was told they were having the low calorie one experienced huge hunger, say, an hour after. But everybody that was told that were getting the high calorie shake were full for hours. And basically what the study was saying, which is outlined in my book, is that our mindset is really a big, big thing when it comes to losing weight because we force ourselves to eat salad. We force ourselves to not eat cake. Yet it's not really so much on the food, but on our mindset, that's what is stopping us from putting on weight. The other problem as well is that most diets just don't take into account in the slightest the emotional problems. So I know I was incredibly stressed out with one of my pregnancies and I ate like there was no tomorrow. (laughs) Just had this urge to eat. But that is not addressed. You know, when we are having all this and physically we are feeling that we really want to eat and then they say to us, oh, you have no willpower. Well, that does not help anybody no it's not true because it's not a willpower problem or bodies physically are going to be asking for food if they think we are not having enough so every time i went on a diet my body would be like i'm not getting enough calories because in my head i really thought i was not getting enough calories and it just it just doesn't work so what i'm saying to to that is that there are various ways to that have worked for me to lose weight. But the first one of everything is just accepting that where I was actually was not such a bad place. It didn't matter the size. It didn't matter how I felt. What it really mattered was that I was obsessing over food. So all I had was food thoughts. What to have for breakfast? What to have for dinner? What to have for lunch? <laughs> What's your snack? What not your snack? Then I would be forcing myself through periods of time. I'll just have salad. I won't have this or I will have that. But all my body was saying, oh, no, but I want cake. Oh, no, but I want whatever. Even things that usually I don't eat, I want it. Fried eggs. Oh, my God. Can I have, how many fried eggs can I have, you know? So 
what I'm explaining in my book, that there are quite a lot of things that you can do to lose weight, but just starting with the point that there is nothing wrong with us and we don't need fixing, just loving ourselves. I mean, I'm so, since I don't think about food, I gained so much peace. I can't begin to tell you how much peace I gained. And I lost weight, but only because I know if I want cake, I'll have it. I just, I will not think twice about it. And because of that, my body is not craving it. My body is not constantly obsessing over it because I've taken my thoughts out of my head completely. It's interesting that you said loving yourself because I, since a little girl, have gone up and down with my weight. And now I'm bigger than I ever have been. I've got the the conference in September. I thought, oh, I got to lose weight so people think I look like the person in the picture. I mean, it's brutal what I do to myself. But I've sat several times and said, you know, why doesn't a diet work? Why does the weight always come back on? Why am I always having this challenge around food? And the little voice in my mind says, because you haven't learned to love yourself exactly how you are. And that I hadn't heard. And I thought, could you imagine if that's all this time I'm fighting myself? And if that's the, if that's the learning I'm supposed to have, no wonder. And who's to say if that's the truth or not? But if I take responsibility and use it to empower me, it's like, okay, how to learn to love myself just as I am. You know, yeah. uh, so I yeah. just thought I, I really like that and using our intuition a little bit and, um, and, and that. What else do you want to talk about as far as your book? Is there anything, uh, that we haven't talked about that you'd like to? Um, yes. I mean, I would, um, there is specifically a chapter that is been is is one of the things that has been the most helpful for me throughout my entire twenty five okay. years of searching, and it's called healing difficult relationships. Uh-huh. And I basically just provide the tools to um, how to um, handle. There are obviously many different types of relationships. It's not the same thing to be upset with a very close relative than to be upset with your boss or with your friend or, or with a stranger that has been rude to you, like a waiter when you go to a restaurant and somebody's just not nice to you. But in general, I just provide some tools to how to heal that um, and how how to interact with the person and how to do the, the mental work and how to, uh, because we all pick up as humans, we all pick up energetically what we think of each other. So even if we think we, when we are cursing somebody, when we are saying, oh, he did this to me, you keep just sending those vibes out. You keep just sending that type of uh, feelings to them, which in turn they pick up. So you get even more upset over something that might not even require so much upsetting. Um, and I learned a sentence that has helped me the most with most things, like when I know that I had an issue with a coworker, or when I know that I upset my sister for whatever reason, you know, or she upset me, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm completely past the blaming because I think it does not help anybody. Sometimes it's just misunderstanding. Sometimes, yes, somebody picked on you, but it does not matter in the slightest. What is important is just that we decide to heal that relationship and we place the intent to heal it. And you say... I love you. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And that is one of the things that when you say mentally to somebody else, it's just, it's something immediate, at least for me anyway, that I just feel that something clicked. And 
something that was really bothering us at the time, it just kind of melts. I, I can't explain it how, but I do explain in the book. It's called Ho'oponopono, and I can never say it right, but it's a Hawaiian healing practice, and they say this. I love you. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. So you just say this to yourself if you... Okay. I picture the person in mind. Okay. I always picture the person in mind. I always say a little prayer or I always talk to the person and I say, I'm sorry if I did upset you, but I love you and I'm sorry. It's, it's, it kind of breaks away any tension or anything that um, could be happening between you two. And it can happen with one person. You can talk to a group. I mean, wherever you place the intent, that's where the energy will go. So it could be, it could be with your listeners. It could be with not because you upset them or because they are upset with you, but just because you want to tell them you love them. In your head, you say, you know, it's, it's kind of putting a veil of peace and happiness over people. Well, that's how I see it. It's helped tremendously in my life. I really like it, Rousse, because I know there's a lot of people who, when they lose a loved one, they experience grief. And I know there's a lot of families that have come apart, including, you know, I've had things in my family as well. And so we may not be speaking or someone may not be speaking to us. And to actually, with a kind and loving heart, picture them and say the words, I love you. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, and I think good for us. And, and who knows on an energetic level, if you are actually sending the message over to their soul and you know you can allow some forgiveness to occur that that, that's correct and you know i think some people what they feel when they lose a loved one is that they lost them forever but you always are energetically connected to anybody on earth or after they crossed over it does not matter in the slightest you can always send that love regardless and they will always pick it up So you can always talk, even in your sleep, you can ask your higher self to go and talk to somebody or to go and talk to a deceased relative or to just tell them whatever you want to tell them and you can still communicate. Some people will hear the answer back in many different ways. Not sometimes only when you're a medium, you might just hear it in words because that's sometimes what mediums do. But we always feel it like inside or heart or like a feeling or a knowing like sometimes I do have like a knowing that I connected. I cannot put my finger on what it is, mm-hmm. but that peace, and I feel good that I've done that. I That's feel good that I communicated with them in some way. That's really nice. Yeah, we are souls having a human experience. We don't mm-hmm. have to wait till we cross over into the afterlife to start using some of these tools that we all have, mm-hmm. and they're very real. Well, Rose, thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. Thank oh, you. really great. And again, your book is called Living on Earth. Your name is Rose Sagara, even though you say it much sexier than I do. Oh, you are a beautiful woman. Uh, and then just beneath this episode, if you're listening on YouTube, I have a link how you can find the book. I have the link on Amazon. Um, Rose, thank you. Well, really, thank, thank you. you. I really appreciate the, the opportunity to speak on your show. And, and, and thank you to your listeners and whoever is listening. 
Uh, I would love to see you, but I'm sending you all my love from here. Oh, we can feel it. We can feel it. And this is this is just nice. I'm really privileged and honored that I got to be your first interview talking about your book. And there'll be oh, many more. So okay. There'll be many more. And for our listener, thank you for taking the time to listen today. I know each and every episode we hit on some different thing, and somehow the common denominator is life after death, of course. But ultimately, let me say it again, ultimately, for all of us to live a powerful life, to know that we are powerful, powerful human beings, and uh, the sky's the limit. You have no idea what you really can accomplish in this lifetime. Uh, we, we have, if you can dream it, you can do it, is something I heard long ago, and I really do believe that. So, and last, I want to uh, remind you, come visit me in Scottsdale in September. I know there's so many listeners that are we're all going to meet there, and I'm super-duper excited. At the uh, Go to afterlifestudies.org to check out the symposium and all the fascinating world of what's happening with technology and life after death. So, thank you again to our guest, Rosé Sagara. And lastly, my name is Sandra Champlain, and of course, I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio, and I do believe that life is an education for the soul. Your life here on Earth is important, so be confident. I love the mantra, my success is unavoidable. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. (music) 